0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back. It is Wednesday, March 24th, and you are listening to Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo, that is at S-K-A-R-R-G zero. Soon you'll be able to follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at Zags, and I'll let you know when that is up and running. And as always, you can rate and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you find your podcasts. Before we get started today, I just want to say thank you for all the support and all the kind words after our debut episode yesterday. Um, I've always appreciated Gonzaga's fan base because you guys are always like to consume as much content as possible especially during march madness so i hope i can provide more of that good stuff for you um today on the show we're going to be talking about drew timmy's performance against oklahoma and i'm going to give some of the historic numbers that he put up on monday afternoon and then at the end of the show we're going to talk about the the rest of the west region easy for me to say if Gonzaga gets by Creighton in the Sweet 16, what challenges do Oregon and USC present in the Elite 8, and which would be the better matchup for Gonzaga? But first, we're going to start today, like we will every day, with some news and some notes around Gonzaga and the program. Uh, women's star Jill Townsend, she basically all but closed the book on her college career uh, after Gonzaga's loss on Monday at a very emotional press conference for her. Um, she said, Basically, this was her last chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament, uh, which is basically hinting at that she's not going to take advantage of coming back for an extra year. And if that's the case, um, her college career is going to end. She is part of the 1000 point club at Gonzaga. Uh, She had three straight seasons where she shot over 40 percent from deep. Um, she returned after uh, a gruesome leg injury at the end of the 2019 WCC tournament. She rehabbed and returned and became a, the WCC Player of the Year in 2020. Uh, she was a two-time first-team all-WCC performer and helped boost Gonzaga, like I said yesterday, into the top 15 in the AP pool and two top five Um, seeds in the NCAA tournament over the past two tournaments that they were in, which is something that has never been done in program history. So um, if this is the end of the college career for Jill Townsend at Gonzaga, she had one heck of a career and we wish her the best in whatever her future holds. On the men's side of things, uh, North Carolina big man Walker Kessler has entered the transfer portal. And if you remember that name, it's because Gonzaga recruited him coming out of high school. Um, He spent his freshman year at Chapel Hill, averaged four and a half points, three rebounds in about nine minutes a game. And if you stretch that out over to a 40-minute time span, it's about 20 points and 15 rebounds over 40 minutes. Um, Obviously, he was frustrated with the playing time that he wasn't getting uh, because he was sitting behind some Pretty good bigs already at North Carolina and uh, Baycott and Garrison Brooks, um, but they gave him some extra run in February and in early March, and he had an eight-game stretch where he averaged ten and a half points and six rebounds. So he's he's a very capable player. He's seven foot one, big kid. He can stretch the floor a little bit. Um, and like I said, um, Gonzaga recruited him the first time around, and there's also a connection with roger powell because roger powell um recruited him when he was still at vanderbilt so you can kind of put two and two together uh when it comes to gonzaga there and according to a whole bunch of people gonzaga is already the favorite to land kessler um when he whenever he decides to choose his next destination um and staying on that Recruiting trail, uh, Hunter Salas, the five-star guard, um, ranked, I believe, sixth, fifth or sixth in the class of 21. He is set to commit on Friday, which is his birthday. Um, And it's looking like all signs are pointing to the Zags, but crazier things have happened. I'm going to have more on Hunter Salas tomorrow, uh, kind of breaking down who he is as a player, what he can bring to Gonzaga. And if he is on the roster, kind of some of the roster possibilities um, going into next season. But that'll all be coming up tomorrow. Just know that his recruitment or his commitment is set for Friday. Two other notes. Uh, Pepperdine waves. They beat Bellarmine in the CBI semifinals. Some people may not know that the CBI is even happening. They're happening and they're playing. Pepperdine is now playing for the CBI championship. And that'll be tonight against coastal carolina Uh, the win yesterday guaranteed pepperdine's first winning season since 2015-2016 which is obviously colby ross uh, would like to go out with maybe an ncaa tournament appearance but still a really good final season for pepperdine and hopefully they can continue to grow that program forward last thing here is uh shante leggins the uh, eastern washington head coach has officially been hired at portland He spent 12 years at Eastern Washington um, as an assistant, and then as a head coach, he took the team to the NCAA tournament this year where they went toe-to-toe with Kansas for 40 minutes. Um, Tanner Groves and his brother Jacob obviously went off and had a lot of social media fame, which is really cool to see for those of us that have followed the Eastern Washington program. Um, Both of those kids are local Spokane boys, and those two plus combined with Anton Watson, who had a great game later that day, uh, it was a really cool day for – for spokane basketball in his uh, presser yesterday leggings was talking about um, how he wants to be able to rebuild portland and be able to compete with gonzaga he said this in um, one of his many interviews that he had yesterday quote gonzaga is a blue blood and they're up there with the big dogs i want to be able to play with those guys and challenge them the uh the The hire of leggins, I think, for portland is is incredibly smart. He's a fantastic human being. He's a great coach. He set a fantastic culture um at Eastern Washington, and hopefully he can translate that to Portland. Um, portland is uh, in dire straits to say the least as a program. Um Terry Porter did his best over there, but he over the last three and a half seasons, they went one in fifty three in their final fifty four w c c games so um, it'll be interesting to see what Leggins can do. If anybody can turn that program around right now, it's probably him. Uh, but there is a stat which is startling. Um, and I, for Leggins' sake, I hope that he can um, change his stat. Portland has had 14 head coaches since 1953-1954 season. None of them have gotten head coaching positions at the Division I level after coaching the Portland Pilots, which is um uh, not great <laughs> to say the least. So hopefully Shante Leggins can turn that program around and continue his uh, upward trajectory as a head coach cuz he is a fantastic coach and as I said earlier he's a fantastic human being with a great family and everybody speaks very very highly of him. Gonzaga baseball team. Let's talk some baseball real quick. They beat Washington 7 to 2 on Tuesday night for the fifth straight win. Uh they're 12 and 8 overall, they're 3 and 0 in the WCC this year. There's no wcc tournament this season so whoever wins the regular season championship is going to get the auto bid into um the ncaa regionals so every single three game series is mightily important so if you lose friday night you know you got to be able to take saturday and sunday Um, but the baseball team this year has been absolutely fantastic they took two out of three from TCU on the road. Uh, I think they are ranked 11 at the time. It was the first time in a decade that Gonzaga took a road series from a top 15 program, which is awesome. They are 23 in the RPI heading into Tuesday night, and they're led by really just a veteran group full of upperclassmen um, in the starting lineup. Brett Harris, uh, his OPS is over 1,000. Stephen Lund is right in the middle of that lineup, and he's the power bat. He's got five homers this year. It seems like every time they need a big hit, Andrew Orzel is kind of that clutch hitter. Um, and just going through the lineup one through nine, there's no easy outs on the team. And that's kind of always been um, what head coach Mark Maktoff that's kind of just been his teams. I mean, he, he was a hitting coach uh, under Steve Hertz for a, a while, and then he took over as, as a manager, and his teams have always just smacked the baseball. They've been fantastic hitting teams, uh, but now they're starting to bring in more and more pitching talent and this season um, probably more than the last few they've had. Um, they just have a lot of pitching depth. Uh, Alec Jacob, he's got 35 strikeouts in 22 and third two, 22 and two thirds innings, a lot of twos in there. Uh, and he had a game earlier this season where he struck out eight batters in a row, which is pretty impressive. Um, Gabriel Hughes, Michael Spellacy, William Kempner. I mean, you can go down the line. I mean, last night, uh, one of their Tuesday starters, Nico Zeglin, he pitched five innings and struck out eight batters, only gave up two hits in a 7-2 victory. So impressive start for Gonzaga. If you have the chance to watch them, a lot of their games are streamed on the WCC network, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday typically or when their WCC series are. Obviously with basketball going on, a lot of uh, the focus around Gonzaga is on the basketball team. But if you get a chance to watch baseball and you enjoy baseball, They're a very fun team to watch. They lost the WCC title in 2019, the last season that they played. Obviously, 2020 last year was cut short because of the pandemic. Um, But they lost the WCC title game in 2019, but they did make the NCAA regionals in 2018. And obviously, they're looking to get back there this year. And they travel to LMU this weekend. Coming up, Drew Timmy, really good at basketball. We're going to talk about it. But first, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code On to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, cookies and cream versus coconut almond. For me, anything with cookies and cream is the winner. So I'm going with cookies and cream. But you can go to BuiltBar.com or go to at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's talk about Drew Timmy for a minute. He was the star on Monday, the clear star. Austin Reeves, obviously, he scored 27 points. He was fantastic for Oklahoma, but Drew Timmy was an absolute animal. Career high, 30 points. He was nine for 12 inside the arc, 12 for 14 from the free throw line, 13 rebounds, four assists, only one turnover. And with the performance, he actually leaped over Luka Garza for the number one spot in Ken Palm's player of the year rankings, which is pretty impressive and I believe is the first time any Gonzaga player has been in the number one spot. Uh, Nigel Williams-Goss was in fifth, 2017. Brandon Clark was in fifth in 2019, and Philip Petrushev was ninth last year. Um, So a very impressive stat there for Drew Timmy. Um, One of the more impressive things is in his six games against power conference teams, he averaged 24 points and eight rebounds. And obviously those are the only teams that are left in the tournament. Um, I know there's been some people... uh, Some of the talking heads, mainly on ESPN, they're kind of talking about, hey, can Drew Timmy take over a basketball game when he needs to take over against really good interior opponents? Um, And I think pretty much the answer all season offensively has been yes. And he continues to do that and proved it again on Monday. He's only the fourth Gonzaga player in program history to have 30 plus points in a tournament game. Really quickly off the top of your head, wherever you're listening, in the car, doing chores, whatever. Can you name the other three Gonzaga players, if you haven't seen the stat already, the other three Gonzaga players to put up 30 plus points in an NCAA tournament game? Two of them are probably fairly obvious. One of them just happened a couple years ago, and it's very obvious. Uh, but I'll give you a few seconds. Think about it. Three others besides Drew Timmy to put up 30 plus in a Gonzaga uniform in an NCAA tournament game. The most obvious one, obviously, is Brandon Clark, Chap in 2019. He scored 36 points against Baylor. 2006, Adam Morrison scored 35 against Xavier in the first round. And the one that you may have forgotten, Richie Fromm, scored 31 against Louisville in 2000. And now, obviously, Drew Timmy, part of that club, 30 points Monday against Oklahoma. It was the second highest efficiency score in a single NCAA tournament game since they started keeping track several years ago. The only player with a better efficiency score in a single NCAA tournament game, Brandon Clark in the second round against Baylor. I don't know what it is with second round games and Gonzaga big men, but they obviously th- they obviously thrive. Um, and it was interesting. Corey Kispert was interviewed by Titus and Tate uh, yesterday, and – They kind of jokingly asked him like, hey, going into all these games, do you guys kind of just predetermine like, hey, this is going to be a Corey Kispert game. This is going to be a Timmy game. This is going to be a Suggs game. Like, do you guys just decide which player is going to go off before the game even starts? And uh, Kispert kind of gave a a serious answer. He's like, yeah, well, we, we kind of just know more or less when we're watching film like, hey, based on these matchups, this player is going to be able to, you know, kind of excel. And we kind of saw that Oklahoma doesn't really guard the post very well. Um, and outside their backup big men, they really don't have any rim protection. So we knew going in that we'd get the ball to Timmy a lot. And he, as we saw, uh, provided 30 points and probably the best game of his career. So um, that was interesting to hear from Kispert. And obviously the coaching staff at Gonzaga does a nice job figuring out matchups and uh, putting people in the right positions to excel. Brady Manick, who was the Oklahoma starting big man, he had no chance against Drew Timmy. Like, absolutely no chance of guarding him. Um, And he ended up sitting, for a lot of the game, for their backup center, who ended up playing a season-high 27 minutes because he provided just some some sort of rim protection. Um, He had five blocks in the game. I think all three of them came against Anton Watson, Um, but even he couldn't stop Drew Timmy altogether. I mean, you may have slowed him down here and there, uh, but nothing really stopped him in that game. Some other odds and ends, uh, just to wrap up our Oklahoma discussion for the week so we can move on to Creighton and some other opponents. Gonzaga scored 1.26 points per possession, which is the third highest against any Oklahoma team since the start of the 2017-2018 season. So a span of four years, it was the third highest points per possession that Oklahoma has given up, um, in those four seasons. And it kind of felt like it was Gonzaga's B minus, maybe B game. Um, Oklahoma, it felt like played their tails off and they still lost by 16 points. And for the most part, they really weren't in striking distance. They cut the lead to nine, I think Late-ish in the second half, but it didn't feel like Gonzaga was ever really threatened outside the first four minutes of the game when Oklahoma had a little bit, of, a little bit of a lead. Uh, Oklahoma actually outshot Gonzaga from the floor, fifty percent to forty-nine percent, which is the first time all season anybody has outshot the Zags. Um, and despite all that, Oklahoma still lost the game by sixteen points. So um, it's it's just interesting. I mean, you need to play forty perfect minutes, and I've said this before on here on. Other podcasts on Twitter, like if you're not one of the top, probably two or three teams, if you're not Baylor, maybe Alabama, uh, Michigan when they're at full health, like you're going to have to play 40 perfect minutes um, to beat Gonzaga. And Oklahoma played really, really, really well, uh, but they just didn't have the offensive firepower to keep up for 40 minutes. Creighton, uh, they have more offensive talent than Oklahoma does, um, but they're still going to need to get hot. And stay hot and play those 40 perfect minutes in order to beat the zags in that creighton game um, there's some front some fun prop bets in that one um, the over under for jalen suggs points in that game is set at 14 and a half um i think that's probably pretty fair drew timmy's over under is set at 18 and a half um and i'm not a betting man anymore but if i were I would probably say that he's going to get 20-plus fairly easily um, on their front line. But we'll talk about Drew Timmy against Creighton tomorrow and how Creighton can match up with him and how Gonzaga matches up with Creighton. Uh, Gonzaga is the favorite to win the national championship, as they have been pretty much all season long. They're at plus 140 right now. Baylor is right behind them at plus 350, followed by Michigan, Houston, Alabama. This is really interesting. The favorite— Right now, to win most outstanding player of the tournament is actually Jalen Suggs at plus 450, followed very closely by Kisbert at plus 500, Timmy plus 550, and Jared Butler from Baylor at plus 600. And if you want to bet on any of those, I know where you should go. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including those college basketball props I just mentioned. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Football fans, the NFL Draft is just weeks away, so it's time to start following our Locked On NFL Draft duo, the Draft Dudes Podcast. Watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to talk about Creighton tomorrow on the show. Today, we're going to talk about what would happen if Gonzaga were to get by Creighton. So we're going to talk about USC and we're going to talk about Oregon. Because both of those teams look like Final Four caliber teams on Monday. Uh, Oregon beat up on, or, uh, on Iowa and USC absolutely throttled Kansas. Uh, I think both of those examples were uh, one of those things. I mean, we talk about, I think Fran Freshella likes to say this a lot on his broadcast, but teams play... Five great games, five kind of clunker games, and then, you know, the 20 games in between are kind of who you are. And I think on Monday, both Oregon and USC played one of their five great games of the season. Um, so they're not, I mean, they're obviously very, very good teams in the Pac 12, as we've seen in this tournament, probably the most underrated conference in the country. Um, they've performed incredibly well, but I. The performances they had on Monday were kind of out-of-this-world performances. Uh, obviously, they could happen again, uh, but I don't expect them to play that well multiple times in the tournament. Both teams are very different, I would say, uh, but they have their own challenges. Let's start with Oregon. They're 12-2 and in their last 14 games. Um, and despite that, they actually dropped a few spots in Ken Palm heading into the tournament because their defense had taken such a hit um they they play five positionless basketball players they spread you out they score in a variety of ways they're hyper athletic super super long um and they're just relentless offensively um they don't have much height they just they play five guys that are either 65 66 67 they don't have anybody who's you know 69 or 610 611 they don't have a Drew Timmy they don't have an Evan Mobley um it's just it's it's basically five guards and wings and they attack mismatches off the bounce. Um and it they're just a matchup nightmare for really any team. And if they were to play Gonzaga, I think they may do something similar um to what Oklahoma did, where they try to just get ball screens and trying to find the best mismatch if it happens to be on drew timmy or whatever other defender they want to pick on at the time if they want to try to get Corey kispert into foul trouble or jalen suggs into foul trouble if they like the matchup of one of their guards or wings on drew timmy to try to drive them to the basket um i think they're just going to try and drive and kick off whatever mismatch they find um i i without question oregon to me is the much much more dangerous offensively uh, of the two teams. Their defense, on the other hand, struggles a little bit on the interior just because they have that lack of size. Um, over fifty percent uh, opponents shoot over fifty percent inside the arc, and obviously the zachs are putting up historic two point numbers this year. They don't have anybody on that team who can guard Drew Timmy one on one. Drew Timmy's got three or four inches on basically anybody that they could throw at him, so I think he would have. A big advantage there. Luca Garza, he scored 37 uh, against Oregon. And um, Oregon, I think, or part of Oregon's game plan was to stop everybody but Luca Garza. Um, the, you know, one of those situations like, okay, we're going to let the best player put up what he puts up and we're going to stop the other four guys around him. And obviously they did that uh, because they held three starters to zero points, which is pretty ridiculous. The Zags. They struggled a little bit inside with uh, Oklahoma's shot blocking ability. That's not going to be the case with Creighton or with Oregon if they beat Creighton and end up facing Oregon. Neither one of them have really any true great shot blockers. Um, And so kind of on that same realm, they're also not a very good defensive rebounding team. They'll attack the offensive glass really well. Um, but they're not a great defensive rebounding team, so Gonzaga might be able to get some second chances. Uh, Joel Yai, obviously one of the best offensive rebounding guards in the country. Watson gets his hands on a lot of offensive rebounds. Timmy gets a lot of putback, so I think Gonzaga would be able to excel in that uh, respect. USC, on the other hand, and they're kind of, I would say they're kind of the opposite where they have an elite, elite, elite defense, and they have a good offense. Um, the hardest part going against USC is that they have the number one two point field goal percentage defense in the nation. Um, teams only shoot 41% from inside the arc. Gonzaga, uh, as I mentioned earlier, putting up historic numbers inside the arc, shooting nearly 64% from two point range. So it's one of those, you know, unstoppable forces versus immovable objects kind of thing if they were to meet. Um, Trojans have moved all the way up to number six on Ken Palm. They've got a top 15 offense, a top five defense. Evan Mobley is a top five. He may end up being the number one pick, although Kate Cunningham probably has that locked up. But he's a top three NBA pick in my mind. Um, he's super, super long, athletic. He's a rim protector. He can score um, pretty much from anywhere on the court. Uh, he draws a bunch of fouls. He does it all. And then his brother Isaiah, who's also six foot ten. He stepped out and he hit four threes against Kansas, which isn't, I mean, he's a a pretty good shooter throughout the year, but he hadn't taken a bunch of threes. And so for him to go four for five against Kansas just adds another element to his game that you got to think about when playing against them. And he, like his brother, is also a relentless rebounder. Um, They mix up their defenses quite a bit. Um, They can really get into you man to man. But if they don't want, like if they were to go up against Gonzaga, one of the Mobleys is probably going to be guarding Corey Kispert. And I don't know if they want one of the Mobleys to be running around the perimeter trying to guard Kispert for 40 minutes or for 30 minutes, however long they're on the court together. Um, But so they have a zone that they run um, that they'll go to. And with the length that they have at every position, I mean drew Peterson, who plays for him uh on the wing I and mean, he's he's like six foot eight, and you throw six foot eight with two six foot ten guys out there, and um the zone can be very syracuse like um they can kind of extend it out and and kind of make life very difficult so um I, the defense it's interesting the defense for them they force a lot of contested shots and a lot of bad shots um some perimeter shots when they're obviously in the zone, but they don't force many turnovers. So Gonzaga is not a team that is prone to turning the ball over a ton. Um, sometimes they get, you know, a little wild hair where they can, you know, be a little bit careless with the basketball. For the most part, they take care of the ball pretty well. So uh, a team that takes care of the ball pretty well going against a team that doesn't force a ton of turnovers. I kind of like Gonzaga in that matchup just because Gonzaga is, you know, they, they've been, Proven that they can get good shots. Um, it's just a matter of being able to finish over, you know, two really, really good shot blockers, um, which they probably haven't seen really all season long. Uh, McCormick was pretty good. Garza's not really a shot blocker. Jay Huff is for Virginia. I mean, he was okay, but nobody that they've seen so far this season is anything like um, Evan Mobley. So, I think it would be uh, uh, quite the challenge. I think on the other side of the ball, offensively for USC, um, they—the question I have is three-point shooting for them. Um, Tajidi, the Santa Clara transfer, you guys probably remember him from Santa Clara. Um, he's the only one on the team that averages more than one made three a game. Um, Drew Peterson averages exactly one. Everybody else is less than one. So. If they slow down Gonzaga defensively enough to hold the Zags to, say, I don't know, 75 points, which is quite the task. But say they hold them to 75 points, USC's offense is going to have to probably generate 80. And that's going to require threes, and it's going to require free throws. And they don't shoot that many threes, and they're one of the worst foul-shooting teams in the entire country. They're shooting 64%. So, as I mentioned earlier, you have to be perfect. Um, to beat Gonzaga, and so that three-point shooting and that foul shooting, both of those are going to have to show up in a major way uh, if they're going to play in that possible Elite Eight game. Personally, I always prefer to play the team with the weaker defense, Um, at least for this Gonzaga team. uh, The Mobleys, to me, are very scary. Their ability to mix up defenses and protect the rim is, is kind of worrisome. Oregon just doesn't have that shot blocking. And for a team like Gonzaga that gets to the rim at will, I would rather face the team that won't prevent that from happening. Uh, but I, I think either way, both games, Gonzaga versus Oregon, Oregon, Gonzaga versus USC, if either one of those were to happen, I think both of them would be fun. Um, and I think it's a great showcase for West Coast basketball. And the Pac-12 has been proving the doubters wrong pretty much all tournament long, which I think has been awesome. Um, uh, the, the Big Ten kind of got a lot of the love this year for beating up on each other, even though they didn't have the non conference uh, resume. And it, it's just, it's interesting because with the pandemic, like teams weren't able to travel all over the country. I mean, Gonzaga was able to, but they're in such a different situation because they play uh, in the WCC, so they just don't get those challenges. So they're kind of required to go out and play no matter what the situation is, pandemic or not. But some of these other schools in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, like they played all their non-conference games within, you know, a two or three state radius. So you didn't get, you know, the huge preseason tournaments where a Big Ten team could play a Pac-12 team in like the semifinals of Maui or something like that. Um, So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 didn't really have big non-conference results. So the Big Ten beat up on each other. The Pac-12 beat up on each other. And for some reason, everybody's like, well, the Big Ten's really good because they're, you know, we've got seven ranked teams or eight ranked teams, whatever it is. And they kind of overlooked the Pac-12 it was doing the exact same thing. And you get into March and the Pac-12 is outperforming every other conference in the league. So shout out to the Pac-12 for sh- the showing the doubters wrong or proving the doubters wrong. Um, and I know a lot of Gonzaga fans took Uh, A lot of talk from some Big Ten fans this season, so uh, I'm sure some Gonzaga fans are happy that the Big Ten is not doing as well as expected. All right, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk about Creighton. A lot, a lot of Creighton. Uh, We'll break down their personnel, how they might be able to cause some problems for the Zags, and then how Gonzaga can kind of attack Creighton on the offensive end. Uh, We'll also talk about Hunter Salas. Like I said, his commitment date's right around the corner. We're going to go through some roster possibilities if you were to come to Spokane and kind of what that would look like. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to Locked on Zags wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me, Stephen Carr, on Twitter, at SCargo, that's at S-K-A-R-R-G, zero. And eventually you'll be able to follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at Locked on Zags. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. And always remember, it's a great day to be a Zag.